Welcome to First Time Lord. I'm Daniel Levain, and as the title of the podcast implies, I am a first-timer. I had never seen Doctor Who until I sat down, started watching this amazing series, and (laughs) of course I can't stop. And you are along for the ride. We are almost there, everybody. We got to the end of Series 4, and we are starting with this... Oh, God, this this heart-wrenching episode titled The Stolen Earth, which happens to be episode 12 of series four. And, well, it it happens pretty early on because she already appeared last uh, episode. So we know who's back. Our dear Rose is back. So when Rose is back, you know who else comes back into the podcast? Ashley. Ashley Martin, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Rose is back. My girl is back. She is so excited. Definitely back. And and she's being referred to as Rose, not just Bad Wolf like last episode. So although now I understand what Bad Wolf meant. Uh, so, dear listener, just to get it out of the way, if you have not already seen The Stolen Earth, now is the time to pause the podcast. Go watch that episode because... It's going to get spoiled. We're going to talk about it. You're going to find out the plot. And, uh, you know, you got to you gotta give yourself the joy of watching this episode without being spoiled. Then come back. And uh, we have TARDIS tidbits herself with us. So I am sure we're going to learn lots. So here we go. <laughs> Live and in person. <laughs> Live and in person. I, I am like mine is blown from from the word go i mean from the, the 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 you know the first little teleportation from rose to you know the 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 first little instance where they're sitting there on earth and it's like oh it's saturday i like saturdays and then this happens tardis is still in the same place but the earth is gone the entire planet is gone the entire planet disappears from underneath the TARDIS. The stolen Earth. The stolen Earth. Like, what else was left floating in that debris? I wish, I, like, we could zoom in and pan around because there's got to be other weird artif- artifacts, right? Right. That wasn't like attached to the Earth, like the TARDIS. So what right. else stayed there when the Earth moved? <laughs> like I thought what, about that too. What else was there? Um, but now it, it sort of makes sense because we saw in an episode the previously in the series where uh, Donna's grandfather was looking into the sky and like things kept disappearing from the sky. And mm-hmm. now we know it's all these planets that have been disappearing, including pan- planets, planets, I can't speak today, uh, including planets from the past. Yes, and all the breadcrumbs that were laid this season, Adipose 3 and Pyrovilia and the Lost Moon of Foosh and ones that we've heard before, like Clom. Like, why would anybody still Clom? I love that. <laughs> so now we know this entire series. And as always, as it's happening, I'm like, mother trucker, how did I miss that? I mean, I Russell was told. Davies is good. 
I mean, I was told frequently by you in the TARDIS tidbits, by everybody that was on. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, the, the bees are gone and the planets <laughs> keep, you know, like uh, maybe. And wow, I did not see that coming. I did not see like I, I thought it was like some sort of Death Star situation where, <laughs> you know, the, the planets were getting blown up and that's why they weren't there. I, I did not see that bees were alien. That was fantastic. Of course they are. <laughs> <laughs> because in this world, why wouldn't they be? <laughs> the bees are alien. And I love the doctor's response. He's like, yeah, of course. Like, the, they all go to this planet, uh, you know, and uh, I, I, I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. Um, but I do feel like I've missed a little bit because I've, I'm only watching the Doctor, Doctor Who, Who episodes. And all of a sudden, there's Sarah Jane. There's mm -hmm. the Torchwood gang. I, I I I know of Jack. I hadn't met the rest of the gang, but there they are. You have got to watch Torchwood. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, they're hanging out in the Ninja Turtles hideout, like the, <laughs> the London headquarters for the turtles and like the sewers of Cardiff. Like, yeah. oh. so do you remember in series one um, at the end, towards the end of the season, when uh the Celine, Margaret Blaine comes back and they have the TARDIS parked on the rift to try to soak up the energy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the Torchwood headquarters is. It's underneath that. I, yeah. I, I gathered that because we see uh, last series when the dog, when all of a sudden Jack comes back into the Doctor Who series proper uh, and he's running with the doctor's hand in his mm -hmm. little backpack the doctor parked the TARDIS, the TARDIS in the same spot, in front, right on on the on the riff to refuel. Um, but I never would have thought that that's where their little headquarters would be. So that was pretty damn cool. Yeah, uh, but like and, everything, and everybody, uh, you know, Martha's back. Uh, you know, everybody's back. The Jack is sitting there with his crew. Uh, Sarah Jane is back with her son. She has a son now. An adopted son. Yes. Oh, well, okay. Thanks for spoiling that show for me. No, I'm kidding. Oh, were you going to watch it? <laughs> I am. I, I want to watch everything. Uh, I just, I've purposely, I was thinking about this as, as I was watching the episode. I, I know that eventually, in the very near future, I will run out of Doctor Who episodes. <laughs> I will catch up. And the way British episodic TV works, there, you know, sometimes years between the end of one series and the beginning mm -hmm. of the next series. So I want to make sure that I still have Doctor Who stuff to delve into and to get nerded out by and so i'm gonna save the sarah jane chronicles i'm gonna save torchwood so that i have that to sort of keep me company as it were Aww. while the doctor is in in between shows you know and then we'll visit the books and the audio stories and you know even go back to original episodes uh like that's the whole that's my plan because i I want to keep this uh, exercise going. I've been having so much fun every week sitting down, watching an episode and just getting like 
almost overwhelmed with excitement, uh, especially this series. I mean, goodness me, from where I started to where I am, I it's <laughs> the, oh my gosh, every single series. And here we are at world's end. The world is gone. The doctor is out in space. And then we see that everybody's back on Earth, even though Earth got, you know, uh, Thanos style snapped into <laughs> exactly. uh, this grouping of other planets. And, you know, we got Jack, we got Martha, who's like, again, you know, hanging out with Unit. Uh, we got Rose teleporting in and out. Uh, like, wow. Like, was this like sort of Russell T. Davies? Like, okay, if I'm going to go out, because I believe this is his last series, right? Yes. So it's interesting. I didn't realize this until I started researching it, but the idea of this big finale had actually been planned since 2006, which was series two. Mm. Uh, The idea of it, at least. And then in 2007, he wrote, I I have it written down because I wanted to keep it correct. He wrote a, uh, a briefing for this episode in 2007. And he said, the season finale, Earth is transported halfway across the universe as part of Dalek plot. These episodes feature Martha, Captain Jack, Sarah Jane, Rose. Also, can I have the Torchwood team just for a couple of days? Plus a futuristic space station complex where lots of alien races gathering for a conference. So he had this idea Mm -hmm. already planned out in early 2007. And then this, of course, aired in 2008. And it was the last, they had already announced it. It was the last uh, series for Russell T. Davies and his producers, Julie Gardner and Phil Collinson. Um, So they wanted to go out, you know, with a big bang. (laughs) Um, But I read that he finished the script for this episode at 1 a.m. on New Year's Eve 2007. Wow. I thought that was kind of cool. But what I thought was also interesting, I know I mentioned in the tidbits before, you know, that Billy Piper had already agreed when she left in 2006 that she was going to come back. Mm-hmm. But when Freema Aguiman took the role of Martha in 2006, part of her contract was that she would come back for this finale. Mm. And when Catherine Tate filmed The Runaway Bride, before they even knew she was going to come back for a full season as a companion, she agreed to be in this as well. Mm. So this is something that, you know, Russell T. Davies really had land far out right he he knew this far out uh which is not that i want to compare uh doctor who to other shows but that's exactly what i'm gonna do uh (laughs) you know in the states we had uh lost um Mm. which i i want to say it kind of roughly started about the same time that the doctor who relaunch happened so I want to yeah, say it was like around right. 2005, 2006, maybe. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there was this big mystery that, you know, Lost was all about the mystery and something was happening in this mysterious island and it dragged on for however many seasons. And ultimately, the ending was very disappointing because, and it showed, the writers didn't really have a clear idea of where the story was going. They had a clever mm-hmm. premise and they, you know, they knew kind of what some of the character arcs were as far as what they wanted to do with the different pairings of, you know, it was a, a huge cast. But ultimately, it, it felt, you know, very disappointing as it ended 
because it didn't really know where it was going. And so the story at points misled you. And ultimately, you know, it was disappointing to end where it ended. I don't want to spoil it for somebody that wants to watch it. <laughs> I, but we are going to spoil Doctor Who, at least this version, this episode, because clearly this was planned. This, you know, things all happened for a reason. And the the plan worked because it's like this mega pairing that appears as if from nowhere and particularly the way it, uh, you know, kind of like the uh, Avengers moment, the way they get assembled mm -hmm. is just as, you know, things are starting to make a little bit more sense and the doctor is still trying to figure out where everything is. Um, but up comes a, an old friend and she introduces herself in a very familiar way. Harriet Jones, former prime minister. We know who you are. Yes, we know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I mean, I, there were so many moments where I was gasping at the screen. When I heard that voice, I was like, that sounds familiar. Who is that? And as <laughs> she clarifies on the screen and she says those words, I squealed with joy. I absolutely squealed that she comes back. She was in Yay. series one. She's been appearing since series one. She's been a player in this greater storyline. Yeah. Who doesn't love some Penelope Wilton? She's just a British treasure. And, you know, I, I thought that her character, like just when it was looking like, you know, the, the doctor talked about how she, you know, ushered in this great era in British history. Gold, second golden age. Yeah. Right. And then we see her interact with uh, the new regeneration of the Doctor, the, the current uh, regeneration. And she kind of challenges him and she gets a little, you know, a little too power hungry and uses the, mm -hmm. the power of the Torchwood Institute to wipe out mm -hmm. that species. Which, the cigarettes. Right. And the Doctor is absolutely not about that at all. So he gets pissed at her. And he kind of torpedoes her career. Mm -hmm. You know, she doesn't she look tired? And then, boom, like she gets ousted. Uh, and it leads to other things. I mean, again, clearly a through line was being thought out because her replacement leads us to ultimately the master uh, taking over and, you know, gaining control. And... It just, like, uh, her return, her conversation with uh, Jack Harness, who she clearly knew because of his involvement with Torchwood, mm -hmm. uh, her determination, and once again, her selflessness. We saw it at the very yeah. beginning on her first time out uh, when she was basically battling with the Slovene. And... You know, there she is again, doing her thing, stepping up and being the the leader that we saw her to be and sort of redeeming herself, uh, mm -hmm. even though the doctor maybe doesn't see it or realize it, redeeming herself by bringing the world's uh, or the, the doctor's greatest companions, as she says it. I know. I was so happy to see her back. 
I was just, uh, you, you're going to see, I mean, I'm not, I'm not spoiling anything, but you know, since you already know that it's Russell T Davies last series and everything, a lot of things from his four seasons will be wrapped up and, and winked at and, you know, talked about again and brought back. So he, they do a really good job with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I was surprised by is, so this episode kind of shows us the doctor on his back foot. Usually the doctor mm-hmm. is right on top of things uh, and what he's not on top of, he is able to deduce and figure out very quickly. Uh, and, you know, for the first time in, in a while, we see the doctor sort of at a loss and he ends up going to the shadow proclamation, mm-hmm. which up until now, I thought it was just like a document or some sort of uh, right. like <laughs> gathering, like, you know, the, the Geneva convention, you know, that that's what yeah, it, some big know. agreement that they all played the, by the rules of. Right. Not an actual physical location, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with these beings that I guess are like the arbiters of the universe kind of thing or, or so it felt. But all of a sudden there's those rhino bounty hunters. The Jadoon. The Jadoon in the moon. A Jadoon platoon upon the moon. There you go. <laughs> the, why, why would the Shadow Proclamation people have, uh, you know, the, a, a troop of bounty hunters? Well, they're kind of in charge of keeping peace around the galaxies. And the Jadoon are kind of like that police force, you know, as you saw them in the beginning of Series 3, mm. trying to find the, the fugitive. You know, they're like the the police in space, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh. Um, but I thought it was interesting that Russell T Davies said he, you know, this, like you said, it's the first time we've actually seen the shadow proclamation, but he based it on, uh, the Nova Corps from guardians of the galaxy. I... And the woman he said was supposed to be like Nova prime, which I, now, you know, that the guardians movies have come out. I've watched it in a different light. Like, Oh yeah, look at that. That's exactly that what it felt like, and I was going to make mm-hmm. that uh, comparison. So it, good on uh, Russell because it definitely uh, evoked that uh, that sort of sensibility. Uh, and so, yes, the, the, the doctor using the, the, the knowledge that he gains while there, he goes to, what was that nebula called? The Medusa Cascade. The Medusa Cascade can't seem to find them, but thanks to Harriet Jones, former Prime Minister. Yes, we know who you are. Her transmission gets through, and the Doctor is once again, at least for the moment, triumphant in that the entire Medusa Cascade has been put a second out of sync with the rest of the universe. Perfect hiding place, tiny little pocket of time, but we found them. So that part I missed, I had to rewind because they're there, and he's like, "There's nothing here. I, you know, Mm -hmm. I I must have misunderstood. I, 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 I I thought I knew exactly where they were because he was chasing the the B trail, and all of a sudden, because the entire Medusa." cascade is one second out of sync mm-hmm. he couldn't see them and again thanks to harriet jones former 
former prime minister. <laughs> the signal breaks through and all of a sudden, bloop, 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 all the planets show up and the doctor's like, all right. And they get connected. And then this is, this is where you're going to have to help me out. This guy comes out and for a second, because he's all in shadows, I thought, is he a Cyberman? <laughs> Because the Cybermen were sent into the same sort of dimensional void, the, the the hell as it was described. In series two, yeah. In series two, when we lost Rose, as were the Dalek. And so I, I made that assumption. But instead, it's this weird, like, blue-eyed, sort of no-eyed <laughs> being uh, you know, in, in like, I'm assuming a wheelchair, <laughs> like, I don't know, but like he comes out and then he, he says his name and you're going to have to help me with it. Davros. Which I know because in all of my previous encounters with the Dalek, I've asked a lot of questions and John has been there for quite a few of them. And I know that Davros is the creator of the Daleks. Mm -hmm. And then the doctor asks a question because we get this, um, we get this moment where we find out that one of the Daleks that was in New York, right? Is that the, the timeline? From was, the Cult of Scarrow? It was one of the Daleks from the Cult of Scarrow that the Doctor faced off in New York when they were trying to use the Empire State Building. Mm -hmm. He activates the emergency temporal and he somehow got himself back to the Time Wars? To save, to save Davros, yeah. And... Um, you know, they're going to go into this more in the next episode, so I don't okay, want to so get too detailed for you. But yes, Davros was the creator of the Daleks, um, you know, one of the Doctor's biggest enemies. Sarah Jane knew him as well. When it, he was first introduced, to it was, it was the fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane, so she knows him. Um, but he was kind of based on Hitler. In a way, you know, as the Daleks, of mm -hmm. course, are based on the Nazis. He's supposed to be like, you know, space Hitler. Um, but he, uh, he was a genius who thought that his creations, uh, through his creations, he could become the supreme being and rule over the universe. You know, just your average Dr. Whoville. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but I love this idea because this exchange happens super fast. And again, thank goodness I'm watching this out of order because I can uh, hit rewind and immediately rewatch the 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 doctor seems surprised i mean everybody seems scared crapless when the mm -hmm. daleks come on and then sarah and the doctor particularly look like they're trembling in their boots when they see davos but the doctor says i thought the time wars were lo like time locked is that what mm -hmm. he said time locked yeah it was time locked yeah so can we get a little explanation on time lock? What does that mean? What it like to the best of my knowledge, I would think it means that like you 
it's not a time that he could travel to again, you know, time lock. Like it's not something he couldn't just hop back in his TARDIS and, you know, go back to the time war. Mm. Um, the time war is going to be explained a lot more okay. later on, much later in a big episode. So I don't want to spoil too much. Um, because knowing what happens in, in that episode, it makes you look back at these episodes differently. Oh. Um, but yeah, he did think he was dead. And uh, they talk a little bit more about that next week as well. Okay. I'm trying not to. to, uh, to I know you're trying you not much. to. Because I've seen them. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I've seen them both. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because. In in this series, he specifically talked about actually uh, going back to the Pompeii episode, the fires of Pompeii, when he mentions how there are certain events in the timeline in space and time that are fixed. But he mm-hmm. never said about anything about being time locked. So, yeah. again, using what I know, I made an assumption that time locked meant some sort of time fix that that it's fixed but then even in that episode we find out that though he thought Pompeii was a fixed moment in time it turned out not to be uh, or at least had to make it happen right or it turned mm-hmm. out that it may have been a fixed moment in time but somehow because it got messed with it was up to him to correct the timeline so the doctor is a little bit of a TVA agent, I guess. <laughs> Where's Loki? <laughs> right. Uh, I definitely want the the alligator version of the uh, the, the the doctor to pop up at some point. <laughs> the alligator, <laughs> alligator variant. Alligator doctor. <laughs> That'll be the Florida doctor. Uh, yes. There you go. <laughs> but so what you're saying is that that is not the case. Time lock means. Uh, for whatever reason, the TARDIS can't lock back into that time and space. But this one Dalek found a way to break through that lock and release Davos, Davros. back into Davros mm-hmm. back into. Wow. But just wait till next week. Oh, just when I, you think you have the Daleks figured out, they throw you a curveball. Uh, you know, I, I uh, hindsight being what it is, I said something during last week's episode about how the last time we heard <laughs> Bad Wolf, the Daleks turn around. The Daleks didn't fare so well. Mm-hmm. And I got this cryptic answer from John that wasn't a direct spoilers, but it was very <laughs> much a isn't that an interesting point of view that you just expressed, Daniel? Yes, I heard that. I was like, wow, Daniel's good. <laughs> and then it happens. And I was like, I knew it. But at the same time, like I was surprised. I, I mean, this episode has all the trappings of setting up some amazing uh, I mean, it, it is setting the stage up for some fantastic culmination, and I can't wait for it. But did I miss anything? Is there something that I should have picked up that I didn't talk about in the episode? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things we didn't talk about. Um, 
I'm trying to think if there's anything that you specifically missed. I mean, you've hit all the big points. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, can we talk about Rose being back? And she, the whole episode, she's just trying to get to the doctor. You know, when the when the computer screen pops up with all with the four mm-hmm. of them, and she can't hear or they can't hear her. And oh. with the proto Zoom call, yeah, that was. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, once again, Russell T Davies prophet. Uh, you know, showing us a world in which uh, people communicate with each other and make plans uh, via Zoom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I love how, you know, she's like, do you guys have a webcam? <laughs> and Grandpa's <laughs> she like... She wouldn't let me. She thinks they're naughty. <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, that was kind of the attitude people had about, you know, why does my computer need to have a camera on it? I love Wilf. He's so cute. He's great. Using the paintball uh, to try to, yes. like, oh, they've got one eye, so I can blind them. That was actually Bernard Cribbin's idea. He of called course. Russell T. Davis when he was working on the script, and he said, can you put this in there to have me use a paintball? That's awesome. Which is hilarious. And then the line that he says, you know, when Rose comes in with her big gun and blows off the Dalek's head <laughs> and he says, you want to swap? That apparently was an ad lib that uh, he did on the day. Of course. Uh, but yeah, Rose shows up in, in a, and in a weird way because she's teleporting back and forth, kind of like what Jack is doing. Mm-hmm. But her technology definitely looks different than Jack's. Mm-hmm. But she's popping up. Basically, she's tracking the doctor. And because she's already had an interaction with uh, Donna, albeit in some weird pseudo future future parallel universe thing Mm -hmm. that Donna created, which is referenced in this again. You know, oh, you had something on your back. You're like, I thought we got rid of the beetle. (laughs) <laughs> like I thought the, the the beetle was done. Like we we killed the beetle. It's all about Elvis now. Like what what's happening here? Well, and that that lady in the uh, I was going to say in the Nova Corps, but in the Shadow Proclamation, <laughs> you know, she's the one who says that, and she apologizes to her for her loss, and she says, "Oh, I know my planet's gone. No, the loss that is to come." And it's just, oh. Oh, yeah, I, even... I, I kind of clenched my teeth <sighs> a little bit and uh, may have uttered uh, an unspeakable word towards Russell. It's like, what are you going to do to her, you bastard? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so um... there's Rose and she's like crying out to the screen the way like we have been every time she's appeared in any other episode, the series and now she's the one that's trapped on the other side of that screen and i thought wow isn't that clever i know and it's they got to drag it out for one more episode you know that well i mean they don't because i mean this whole episode it's not like she finds him at the beginning of it there's a, a right but there is that moment and i again Hindsight being what it is, I should have seen it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but he sees her, she sees him, big smiles all around, and then they're running to each other. All that was missing was the uh, like 
why do birds suddenly <laughs> like we miss that song and like rolling field of poppies that they were like frolickingly jumping I through know. Uh, the dramatic and, running and right instead of being swirling. a darkened street with the car strewn on it but all of a sudden when that dalek showed up i i legit let out a curse word yeah. because like of course and when he got shot I couldn't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't want to believe it. But I was so angry the first time I watched this, you know, because you've been waiting an entire seasons essentially, because she left at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. And this is now the end of season four. You've been waiting two whole seasons for this moment for them to get back together. And, and I just love Donna's face when she sees Rose first. Yeah. You know, it's so sweet because everybody who knows the doctor, or at least this version of the doctor, knows how desperately he has wanted to find Rose again. And his face when he turns around and sees her. And I was listening to the commentary on the episode the other day, and he was talking about how happy he was that they just let him run full speed because normally they tell him to slow down because the camera can't keep up with him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But he just went full blast running to her. And it's just this beautiful scene. And I remember even when I was watching it the first time, I was so excited. But then in the back of my head, I thought, Oh God, something's going to happen because it's not, it just can't be this easy and happy. Something's going to happen. And then he gets shot by the Dalek and I was so mad because I thought if they finally reunite and he regenerates into a new doctor, I'm going to throw something at my TV right now. It's just, oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah, yeah. I, I share, uh, again, I have the uh, privilege of hindsight and I know that there are... Uh, Further adventures to be had before a full regeneration. So I was not as upset, but I am upset because, uh, come on, that's how you're going to end this episode? You're going to make me suffer Mm -hmm. through a whole week of not knowing? Ugh. And the way they splatted that to be continued, it was almost comical, that sound effect, like, ha, ha, ha. To but be continued. It was it was a very sort of sci-fi because it almost had that sound of like the the Terminator, <laughs> like it, like it, I don't know. It just for me it, it it felt very within the universe, but at the same time very much a okay. I get it. I get it. This is a, a genuine like okay, fine. I'm. I and was no prepared preview for, for it. next week. Purposefully, no preview. Fortunately, um, and I, I in the first couple of uh, series, uh, I'm watching them off of HBO Max, and the previews always came up. Mm-hmm. And then since like the middle of series three, it. There's a clear jump cut from the end of the episode to the credits because I'm pretty sure that HBO Max or whoever decided, like, yeah, if people are going to watch it back to back, you don't need the previews. Mm -hmm. So there are no previews. So for a while now, like, 
I was watching the entire episode and those previews were coming up. So I was kind of seeing a little bit what was going to happen. But for a while now, I am literally going into these episodes blind. I don't know what's coming. I see the thumbnail on HBO Max and can do certain things from there. But that's it. So good. So you're not getting spoiled. I am definitely not getting spoiled in any way, shape or form. But speaking of spoilers, we have the queen of tidbits. What other tidbits can we talk about for this episode? Sure. I mean, we've, I've, you know, kind of sprinkled a few in. Absolutely. Over, That's the beauty of having you live. Um, something I thought was fun when they went to the shadow proclamation. Originally, uh, when they, you know, exited the TARDIS and you saw what it looked like for the first time. It was supposed to have Sycorax, Hath, Vesperforms, Krillotane, Gelf, Cyberman, and Margaret Blaine as a young baby Slovene, mm-hmm. and then an adult Adipose. But they axed the scene because it was the whole budget for the episode. In 30 <laughs> seconds, they would have had all of those together. But the actress who played Margaret Blaine actually recorded dialogue. Oh, so wow. it made it that far into the thing. Um. The weapon that Jack grabs when he's leaving Torchwood is the gun that he built in the series one in Bad Wolf. Mm. So he's kept it around. Um, oh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, the subway network. Harriet Jones says that it was developed by the Mr. Copper Foundation. And Mr. Copper was uh, the guy in Voyage of the Damned in the Titanic Christmas special. Mm-hmm. So he's gone on to do some cool things. So, yeah. Um, and we've kind of talked about this, but, you know, obviously the movies hadn't come out yet, but the Infinity comics were out when this was made. And Russell T. Davies said that these two episodes were like the Infinity War of mm. the Marvel Universe. So he was already thinking that. Um, and the let's see. The filming of these two episodes took 39 days in February, March of 2008, and post-production finished up in June, only two weeks before it went on the air. Whoa, that's... <laughs> that's tight. <laughs> yeah, usually that's like reserved for sitcoms or, you know, like three mm-hmm. camera uh, or multi-camera shows that can be edited on the fly and then posted, yeah. you know. They so did, that's, yeah. in, and that's intense. When you watch, if you get the DVDs and you watch the commentaries, um, when they did the commentary for these two episodes, you can hear David Tennant and the producer saying, well, now we see a big green screen <laughs> because they hadn't even put the effects in yet when they were filming the commentary. Oh, wow. Um, but my, I think my favorite thing that I never knew until I was reading is... Um, well, I'm trying to think if this is in this episode or not. Have they talked about the Osterhagen key yet? No. Okay, then I'll save it for next week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had to catch myself. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm glad we're here. Uh, I'm a little sad because I know that my time with Tenant is coming to an end. Yeah. Uh, you know, every episode gets me a step closer to that end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been a definitely fun run. And I know John has mentioned how this is possibly his most favorite series, uh, you know, series three. 
Uh, and I have to say, there's been so many episodes that have sort of caught me unprepared and gut punched me uh, or delighted me in this series that uh, so far, series three or series four. four, sorry, series four, it's definitely it's definitely high up there. Yeah, so I agree. I, I'm 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 a little like. I don't know. I, I don't know if apprehensive is a, the the right word here because uh, I I did not watch the West Wing when it was airing. Uh, I knew that it was out there. I knew that it existed, but I didn't watch it. Uh, and then during pandemic, I had the time, so why not? And I watched that series, and then all of a sudden we switch. You know, we go from I forget. I think it's season four into season five. Mm-hmm. And the first two episodes, I kept looking over at my wife going, does, does the show feel different to you? And it, it took two episodes, although it was pretty quick on the first episode. I just, you know, gave it to the second episode to realize that was the, the season, you know, the fifth season was the season that Aaron Sorkin stopped writing in the show. And I stopped yeah. watching it because it just yeah. it didn't feel like the same show. Uh, and so I'm a little apprehensive because all I've known is Russell T. Davies's version yeah. of Doctor Who. So here's hoping. It's definitely going to be different. I mean, you've seen a sprinkling of what Stephen Moffat's stories are like, you know, because he's written a couple of the episodes that you've liked. Um, but I mean, yeah, you know, David Tennant is my favorite doctor. Mm hmm. Um, but you, you will like Matt Smith. He's, he's a very different yeah, doctor. I'm not, and I'm it's not a afraid very of the doctors. Show. It's a very different show. Mm-hmm. It's a very, it is different. Um, but you'll like it. You will. <laughs> uh, and this I, is coming from somebody who is team David Tennant, team Russell T Davies. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well, I one way or another, I'm I'm going to keep going because I'm excited to find out uh, and, you know, change is inevitable, as we've seen uh, throughout the series. Uh, you know, we we've seen different companions. We've now, you know, I've seen at least one regeneration moment about to witness the second, apparently. Uh, <laughs> so. I'm I'm sure that whatever changes come will be for, uh, if not for the better, it will be for a, a different uh, take. Uh, so I'm excited to get there. But I'm also very excited that uh, you were here and uh, I'm going to basically beg you to stay and uh, talk about this next week with me again. Yes, journey's in. Here we go. <laughs> Excellent. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for making it to the end of yet another exciting episode. Uh, this one chock full of things uh, that just get us all into the Doctor Who, uh, just the Doctor Who feelings. I love them. Um, but if you want to support the podcast, I would highly encourage you to visit the website at firsttimelord.com. There you can 
leave a comment on today's episode or any of the previous episodes. Uh, I love having uh, back and forth with you listeners and what you're thinking of the shows. Uh, We've had some great little tidbits thrown in uh, in the comments as well. So that's been fantastic and I would love for that to continue. Another way that you can support the podcast is by visiting our merch store, which is also found at firsttimelord.com. There you've got access to t-shirts, phone cases, uh, new merch coming for the holidays. So awesome stuff. Uh, T-shirts are great. Highly recommended. Uh, If uh, merch is not your bag, but you still want to support us financially, click on the link to take you to our Patreon uh, page or find me, Daniel Levane, on Patreon and you can become a subscriber that way. Uh, But all in all, just you listening and sharing this episode with somebody else that could benefit from getting into Doctor Who and enjoying the series as much as you do and as much as I am. Just any any more people joining us is a, a good thing. But I am out of time. The doctor's out of time. We gotta head into next week and find out what is happening. See you next week, everybody. Good luck, Doctor! Will somebody tell me what's going on? When he's dying, his, uh, his body it, it repairs itself, it changes. But you can't! I'm sorry. It's too late. I'm regenerating.